reconnect. Oh, beautiful. Hello, everyone. Uh, Mike from Fringe in Wynnum for a first time. So if you tune in, welcome. Great to have you here. And um, there's a bunch of folks over at Redcliffe tonight, but Wynnum. Where? Oh, look at this. <laughs> Where everyone's behaving themselves because we've gone live. They're all sitting up. It's really quite lovely to watch. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we were getting ready for a bunch of baptisms. So what I want to do tonight is pick up where we left off on Wednesday. And I'm going to tell you a story, uh, and it'll sort of back up what Ros was saying about it changes everything. So have you heard about the Exodus? Yeah? I've heard about it. Heard about Moses. it? Moses. All right. Let me t- uh, Moses? No? All right. Let me tell you the story. Now, this is the real short version. There's a whole book about it in the Bible. So you know how we were talking about the Bible as a library? There's a book called Exodus. And it's all about this bit. X means um, out, and hodos means way. So it's the way out, and it's it's a it's an escape story. So what had happened? The people of Israel had wound up down in Egypt. A massive story behind all this to get them down there, but they're down in Egypt, and they were legends when they arrived because they literally saved the Egyptian economy and stopped a famine. And so for a while, they were everybody's best mates. Um, time went by. The pharaohs sort of got used to this and started to get a bit concerned about it because they were good little breeders and there was a lot of them. It was about 400 years. Oh, yeah, it was a long period, yeah. But, but they bred well anyway and it, it wound up this sort of enclave was pretty much all Israelite. And the pharaohs were getting concerned about it because it was just too much, too big, too powerful. And so they started saying, right, well, we'll put a bit of enforced labour in this and we'll just get these guys a bit under control and, and tidy this up. So time goes by and that became a real problem. They wound up slave labour and they wound up effectively under torture. It, it was work and death camps, really, very much like the Second World War, you know. And, uh, and they were doing things, and, and there's actually archaeology on this, that at first they were giving them everything they needed to build well and the bricks were well constructed and had the right amount of straw in it and so on. And there are buildings where by the time you get to the top, the bricks are rubbish because what happened was the Egyptian overlords started to say, no, we still want the same production, but we're not giving you the resources. And if you don't, we'll flog you. you know, and it just got brutal. And so they started just screaming out to God, you know, can you get us out of here? And so a guy called Moses, now I don't want to tell you too much of this story because we've got to, we've got to talk about the actual Exodus bit, but Moses um, is an interesting guy. At the time he was born, there was genocide going on. And um, Israelite babies were just being killed. I mean, nasty, nasty times. Moses' mum uh, took him down to the river, got a little basket, covered it in pitch, dropped Moses in it and flicked him off down the creek. And hoping very much, and I think, I, I think this woman was as canny as, she was very smart. Um, she dropped it in just up from where she knew the, um, the Pharaoh's daughter went bathing. And so... Bob, 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 Pharaoh's daughter finds this cute little baby. Oh, you know. And, um, and so the princess adopts this kid and they go out to find a wet nurse for it, you know, someone who can give it, put it on the breast and, you know, it's, and, and somehow mum finangles the job. I'm pretty impressed by this chick. She's, she's not a bad she operator. She sent the do- her daughter out. Did she? Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, so so she manipulated it beautifully. I mean, a lot of respect for this girl. You know, so anyway, Moses grows up in the royal court. He gets all 
of the best of Egyptian education. And, and you're talking about the superpower of the world at the time. We're in the Bronze Age, best army, best military hardware, you know, uh, best power politics, all that sort of stuff. So Moses grows up really as a prince. But he gets into his late adolescence and he starts to feel his Hebrew roots. He starts to feel a little bit like, yeah, but I actually came from these people. And his conscience starts to get at him a bit. And he starts to have a bit of a word about this from time to time. And on one afternoon, he really messed up. There was um, two, two um, oh, well, there was a, an Egyptian beating the life out of a, um, a Hebrew guy. Moses went over and bad things happened. The guy wound up dead. And Moses is you know, a lot of trouble. He figures he's gotten away with it. No one saw anything. We're good. A little bit later, he goes out there. Are two Hebrews having a blue. And Moses says, "Well, guys, come on. You're under oppression here. You know, just we got to work together." And they said, "Well, what are you going to do? Top us the way you took the Egyptian the other day?" And he went, "Oh no, <laughs> this can't be good." And um, and winds up fleeing. He's a young man, royal education, great prospects, a lot of wealth, knows how to live in palaces. And cutting the story really short, scarpers off to the other side of the desert. Gets to about 70 years old. He's married the daughter of a sheep herder. Sheep herders in that day, that was sort of your used car salesman job. If you couldn't get another job, you're a sheep herder, you know. He's on this really marginal land. They're just eking out enough to live. He's mining sheep. And he's married this girl and he's very disappointed with life. And, well, I guess that's my lot, you know, suck it up. And uh, in that process, he develops a speech impediment. My theory on that is that's psychological damage. And uh, time goes by. Then, again, I won't tell you the story. We'll, we'll say that for another day. But God speaks to him unmistakably and says, Moses, you're the guy that I've raised up to get my people free. And so he goes back and... All sorts of stuff happens and, and again I'll save the story for another day because we've got to get to the, the two rivers. After a lot of um, bloodshed, after a lot of really ugly things, 600,000 people pack up and leave Egypt. Moses is now in command of this thing. The Pharaoh has said effectively just get out of here, I'm sick to death of you, leave. There are too many bad things happening to us because you people are here and we know it's your God who's doing it. Get out of here. So they, they quickly leave. They're headed off and the Pharaoh has a change of heart. And he just decides, no, I can't lose that much slave labour. And so he sends the best Bronze Age army in the world out after unarmed civilians. It just sounds like the Middle East, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, what's changed, you know? And... Um, and so they're coming out. Now the people by this stage have got as far as now. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you the story as if it's the Red Sea. It's probably the Sea of Reeds. It's weird. There's a whole lot of stuff in it. But everyone knows it as the Red Sea, so we'll just tell it that way. They're up there. They're looking at the Red Sea. There's an impenetrable barrier in front of them. And the best Bronze Age army in the world coming down behind them. Whatever happens, we're dead. Now think about it. They've been under slavery. They've heard about deliverance. They've taken steps to get it. Now they're facing certain death. 
your baptisms, okay? Because we're about to get to the point where this becomes like a baptism story. Our lives are a little bit like that. We're living under a pharaoh. The pharaoh is our own stupidity and sinfulness. It's the work of the devil and it's the culture around us that tells us basically that wrong is right and this is how we should be living. Right? And we are completely enslaved to it, all of us. And there comes a point you start to hear about deliverance. And you know, it's the sort of stuff we're talking about here. There's new ways in Jesus. And so you start to take some steps and you move out. They're not free yet. They're still on Pharaoh's side of the Red Sea. They might have moved a bit, but they're still slaves. So they get to the water and complain and tell Moses, thank you a fair bit. You've killed us. You remember that scene in Red October where the torpedo comes around? And that last, you've killed us all! It's, it's that moment. And, uh, and Moses is just looking there and, uh, and he just lifts his staff and points across the sea. I don't know, but I reckon it's a powerful thing. I don't care how it happens, we are going there. And then there's this crazy, amazing thing happens. And the water breaks. There's actually a place in Israel, in that place, where they've, they've proven when the winds blow that it actually can dry in one area. So if God brings a wind or pulls back the wind, yeah, yeah. the water is dry enough for you to get across. But then he can actually bring the wind and then bring, and bring it back in. Yeah. yeah. And when I yeah. realised that, it sort of made the Bible really come alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, look. Two million people crossed there. Yeah, it's huge. The numbers are vast. And the other, okay, so look, the other thing about it is in, in Hebrew, it's actually not the Red Sea, it's the Sea of Reeds, mm. which is a swampy area. Mm. And, uh, you know, the water's not deep, but it's very swampy. Mm. And, uh, you know, well, where's the big miracle, you know? And this little kid in a Sunday school class once, once got it right. He said, You mean God drowned the entire Egyptian army in a foot of water? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. But anyway, whatever happens, a way is made and they go through. Now, think about this. They've come through the water and out the other side. They're not in their promised land yet. They've been promised a land flowing with milk and honey and good things, their own place, secure. It's their thing, right? They've been promised that. They're not there. They're out in the desert. Then the water comes back. The Egyptians try to pursue them and they drown. And there's this really ugly and beautiful verse in the Bible that says, and the dead bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the shore before them. Those who wanted to kill them died trying to chase them through the water. Now, for those that is getting baptised and for those that has been baptised and for those that is watching, hi Sue, awesome to see you again. Sue Taylor is our lady in Cairns, awesome woman. And she's there right now, right there. So, <laughs> baptism is like that. You reach the point where you say, Bugger it, I am sick of the oppression of my sins, the muck of the devil, and the crazy corruption of the sort of whole global system telling me what to do. I'm out of here. Your baptism is the point, like the Red Sea. It's not an instant um, answer to all your problems. We're coming to that? Yeah, that's it. We're coming to that. But this is where it starts. And you cross out of that slavery country into another land at the point of your baptism. Now, I learned this when I was up in a town in North Queensland where we had, it was Demon City. I mean, the occult was big. There were people demonised around the place. We saw the weirdest things. 
It was, it was a screamer, literally. And, uh, and we had to work out what our security was to walk into situations that, you know, we're going live so I can't really tell any of the stories much, but, you know, very violent situations. Look, any number of really big policemen to settle down. And we're walking in, sort of two skinny preachers, you know, <laughs> thinking, well, well where's, the, where's the security in this? You know what we worked out? We've been baptised. Follow me through the water if you want to, you mongrel. Have a go. And it was amazing to me um, what happened in, in those environments. And, uh, well, see, Martin Luther, who was really big in church history, he worked this out. The devil himself appeared to him one night. He rolled over and said, I'm baptised, buzz off. You know, on this side of the water, you're that side of the water. Soft. Don't want to know. All right? And so... So we just learned to say, well, follow us through the water if you can. And it, what amazed me was the reaction of some of the people we started praying with and seeing them come free. Um, they were amazed that they couldn't do the damage to buildings that they usually did in our presence. Now, that was beautiful. I mean, they weren't even done. They, they were still in the land of captivity and just us hanging around. Then we started, then the real fun started. We had these crazies driving up the street leaning out of windows. He's one of them! <laughs> and they could see um, who we were. My great privilege was to baptise a, um, a, a male witch. And, uh, and it was amazing. He told me what the occult guys could see in us. And see, the thing, I, I always thought that we should have been afraid of these guys because they're nasty. And... No, they're afraid of you, brother. No one told me this! No, no, no. no I... I should have known this because when I was at university, you know, we had all these knuckle dragon guys hanging around, and apparently the word was out: "Be careful of Smith. Bad things happen." You know, and I didn't know this until two years after I left. I ran into one of them and said, "Oh, mate, how you doing?" And he was, "Yeah." <laughs> I go, "What the hell?" You know? He said, "Mate, mate, hey, are we good?" I said, "Yeah, mate, we're perfectly good. What's the problem?" You know? <laughs> he said, "Oh, mate, we were scared of you." I said, "What the hell for?" You know, I mean, not even a preacher, just skinny. <laughs> and, oh, no, mate, you were carrying something. So, and I believe those are, and look, it's all about the presence of Jesus. Baptism itself does nothing unless it's coupled with faith, you know? But the Lord in us, it, it creates this authority. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a strange thing. So we learned, just like the Egyptians couldn't follow the children of Israel through the water, these demons can't follow or get at us through the water. And it's just, it was done. The church baptised us. <laughs> We're just done. You know, and people, oh, you're be, if you're in any sort of sin, if you haven't said your prayers, if you're not reading your Bible, yeah, bugger, it's too hard. We're baptised. <laughs> Party! Now, I do want to be out of sin. I do want to be in prayer. I do want to be reading my Bible. Yes, it makes a huge difference. But in terms of, can that mongrel have a go at me? No. Now, what Amy said is really important. They come out of the water. Those enemies can't chase them. But they're not home yet, right? They're in a flipping desert. They can die of starvation or thirst. You know, there's a time when a bunch of crazy snakes attack. It's, it's just a bad place. And they've got to walk through this desert to get to the next river, to get through to, to their promised land. And that's what life's like. We're not in heaven yet. 
I mean, I'm looking forward to it, believe me. You know, I'm praying for the second coming. If it's before we go home tonight, that'll be just good. But, I'm not. <laughs> but, I'm not. I know too many people that aren't saved, and I love them. That's right, and that's why we're still here. And I live with some of them. Yeah. But here's the thing. The desert is where those people worked out who God is. The desert was where God turned up on a mountain smoking with fire and thunder terrified the life out of them they all fled and, and you know actually you know what happened in the desert God turned up on, on the mountain and spoke to the people of Israel he said I want to talk to all of you I want to know every one of you by name I want every one of you to know me and the people got so freaked out by God they said we don't ever want to hear that voice again Moses you go tell us everything we'll do it and God said well if that's what you want I can do it but it's not what I want and it took until Jesus for us to get back to a point where we can all know God again, right? So it all sort of went wrong and right in the desert. They had to get a whole bunch of stuff out of them. They had to get rid of a lot of unbelief, a lot of bad habits. And then they got to the Jordan River. And on the other side of that was the Promised Land. They went through that river and took their land. We're at the point now in baptism we belong to God flat out. And don't ever let anybody take that off you. People give you all sorts of crap afterwards. Oh, it's just a little water ceremony. No. The Church of Jesus Christ stood there and said, you are now part of us. You're welcome. You're in. The Bible says when we're baptised, we're branded. There's a seal put on us. Um, and it's weird. Again, I know from personal experience there are some people who can see it. It's freaky. And and they just get it. That one is set apart to Jesus, you know. And uh, it's the most amazing thing. God puts his seal on you. God says your family, God is making his covenant with you as you make yours with him. Long journey. <laughs> and, and a lot of garbage to get out of our lives. A lot of, you know. Somebody said really smart, it took one night to get Israel out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And it's the same for us. You know, I've I'm, I'm been walking with the Lord since I was, well, probably about 18, 19. And there's still crap from my little personal Egypt that chases me around. So look, it's a process. Don't, like I keep saying to everyone, don't overestimate what you can achieve in one year of walking with Jesus. Don't underestimate what you can achieve in three. Right? Like I said on Wednesday, every person in this room has got a destiny written over your life. No one here is a mistake. No one here is a waste of space. No one here doesn't have something to contribute and some gifts that God is looking for to work with us to get that going and to get that out. That's all part of that walking through the desert. And, you know, people think you come to Jesus, you get to go to heaven straight away. Well, unless you die the next week, what? Well, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Why did you do something? I was just <laughs> giving you space to exercise your gifts. <laughs> oh, say thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> no, we we don't get heaven until we get heaven. Here, I was under no illusions. It's a battle. And it's a battle for your head. If you win the battle for your head, you win almost everything. You, you get your mind renewed. You start to think biblically. Think Christ-like. 
stuff moves. What Ron says is absolutely right. Baptism is a huge marker point. It's a huge marker point. And you, you put your flag in the ground and you say, right, I belong, we're in from here on in. And um, yeah, it does change. It be right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the people have proof and they can hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my photo. <laughs> there we go. So, yes, we'll, we'll have... Um, actually, you'll get a certificate. See? Working with a classy church here, we'll, we'll give you a certification and all. But, all right, so does that sort of make sense? Baptism is where you start, you're walking away from a, a way of living. You're walking into a place that leads to heaven. But there's still a journey ahead of you, all right? I've been doing this long enough to be able to testify and to say, ain't nothing better than that journey. Um, this morning at worship, guy who's got major things wrong with his brain. I mean, it's not good. And his wife toddled in and said, oh, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, Roddy asked if, if we could just say thank you to all the lovely, lovely little ones who've been praying for him. And so my question was, what about the ugly big ones who are praying for him? But anyway, um, but yeah, completely healed. Just gone. And, and uh, you know, not, oh, I think it's gone. Like x-rays and doctors to say, no, nah, it's good, man. You do not need the surgery. And you see that stuff and you start to fall more and more in love with Jesus, you know. You start to see, oh, a couple we met last night again, we haven't seen them for a long, long time and, and apparently we sat with them for a half an hour and apparently changed their marriage. Awesome. I mean, we didn't realise that had happened, but it did. And it's just this gift of God that runs through you. And, and you know, you, you find yourself, oh, we're live, I can't tell the best stories, but you find yourself in weird places talking to very strange people, you know, foreign ministers and, and people like that with, with people in other countries who say, you speak for us in Australia. What? I'm a thinking local church pastor. I've got no money, no influence, no nothing. What do you mean? No, we trust you. You speak for us. And so you're doing blinking international political business. How hey, did that happen? That happened because Jesus is like that. And he believes in us so much more. And we believe in us. And you cannot begin to understand who you are until you do your business with him. And uh, that's my story. I'm a much bigger bloke than I thought I was. And I'm still finding myself. So does that sort of make sense? So, questions? I have a lot that I want to pray about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later? Later, yeah. Right. That's good. All right. Well, who's watching? Suzanne. Hi. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> cool. Oh, and Christine. Hi. Yes. Cool. Everyone's checked in. It's lovely. All right. Well, that's, that's probably enough. For tonight. I'll turn the thing off there. We'll talk. We'll pray. I actually would like to go around tonight and, and actually start to see what the Lord's saying and start to just see what, what that voice is inside us that's calling us to excellence and, and fantasticness. See you, folks. Um, if you can find, um, if you hashtag at, at Alex Hills Church of Christ, 7 o'clock in the morning, you'll find morning prayers. We're doing John's Gospel. You're welcome to join us. See ya. All right.